Hi there, and welcome back to the Stage and Silver Screen Podcast. My name is Alex, and I am here with... Julie. And we have a very Disney-fied version of the podcast today, as we are talking two Disney musicals. First, a stage production of Disney's Beauty and the Beast, and second, uh, Mary Poppins Returns, the recent movie musical. So we're going to start with Disney's Beauty and the Beast this is a local community theater production put on by the Moonlight Players Warehouse Theater Company here in Claremont, Florida, which is where we live in Central Florida. Uh, so a little bit before we get into this actual production. Uh, so if you're not familiar with Disney's Beauty and the Beast, welcome back to reality. <laughs> uh, this was, I believe, their first Broadway was this the yes. first Broadway? Yes. This was the first Broadway uh, that they had done. Disney theatrical uh, production. Uh, it opened at the Palace Theater in New York on April 18th, 1994. And it ran there until September 5th, 1999. It then transferred to the Lundfontein Theater on November 11th, 1999. And uh, then it closed uh, July 29th, 2007. And that was after 46 previews and 5,461 performances. And do you know why it closed? Fun fact. Uh, no. Because they were coming out with The Little Mermaid, and Disney was afraid of having two princess musicals that they would compete with oh. each other. <laughs> so they closed Beauty and the Beast so that That's they could funny. do The Little Mermaid, which I had yeah. nowhere near the run of no, it. No, didn't. Uh, so right. also, by the time you're listening to this episode, uh, this uh, production at Moonlight will have closed uh, today that we're recording this is March 24th. It was the last, today was the last production of it. But they were sold out for most of the performances anyway. So, so uh, we, we try to post as close to opening night as possible. Uh, but while navigating around regular jobs and family times with our son, uh, we do it because this gives you a chance to make a more informed decision on whether this is a show you should go see or a show you should skip. And it also helps us generate buzz for certain shows. Uh, but while Beauty and the Beast has closed, hopefully we can intrigue you uh, with uh, what we're going to discuss today about it uh, to hopefully check out their next production, uh, which will be uh, First Date, which is a musical, which is going to be running from uh, April 26th through May 12th, if you're in the local Central Florida area with us. Uh, I will not be making the opening night of first date when it opens on April 26th as I currently have a ticket for Arcadian Broad's uh, Wonderland at the Dr. Phillips Center that day. So, uh, yes, Beauty and the Beast, This uh, it started March 1st, this production of it at Moonlight Players. And uh, I was actually lucky enough to see it twice. Uh, I, I decided to see... It was nice to see it twice because Belle and Babette were double cast. So I was able to see both cast members play those roles. So do you want to get started on this discussion? Um, or do you want me to? Yeah, or? well, okay. So I actually saw Beauty and the Beast when I was probably 16. Um, I saw a touring show of it in New Orleans. Um, and it was the first, like I said, it was Disney's first um, Broadway, you know, Broadway show that they did. Um, I saw the touring show. I thought it was really cool. I like Beauty and the Beast, but it's not like my absolute, absolute favorite um, Disney story. It's not my favorite princess story. Um, but one of the reasons why I went to wanted to go see this particular 
production is, I know you've probably heard me talk about um, being a theater director myself and um, my school is doing High School Musical. Um, we open April 4th. And um, I actually brought a group of my students with me. I brought my prince, I brought six of my principal cast members. I brought um, my student that's playing Troy, my students playing Gabriella, my students playing Sharpay, my students playing um, Chad, my student that's playing Taylor, and uh, my student that is playing um, Kelsey. So um, the reason I wanted them to see it is because we, I, in intermission, I actually said to my group of students, I said, this is you guys in two weeks, just so you know, um, reality check for you guys. And um, I wanted to see, we I actually, a lot of my kids have never seen a show at all, um, let alone been in one. So I wanted them to see what like transitions look like and, you know, what it, having an audience felt like just being in the audience. And we tried to, I tried to arrange something to go to the Dr. Phillips Center and it just didn't happen. And I was like, you know what, this will be spring break. It'll be like the end of spring break. And it's also a Disney show. And even though High School Musical isn't quite the same caliber of show as Beauty and the Beast, as far as like technical elements, elements and, and whatnot. Um, they are both licensed through MTI. Um, Moonlight uses, um, doesn't use a live orchestra. They use background tracks. We're using the same thing, which I'm sure is also licensed through MTI as part of their show kit. Um, so some of the things that at MTI, for those of you that don't know, shows, it's Music Theater International. It's one of the big licensing companies for um, like productions of shows. So um, I wanted my kids to have this opportunity to see it before they take the stage themselves um, in a couple of weeks. And it was definitely a learning experience for them in, in a good way. Um, my kids really enjoyed it. Like I said, I've seen it before. I've seen shows of Moonlight. Like, I know they do good things. Um, you know, there, there were kids that were teenagers in the cast. And the majority of the cast, I believe, were older but there were definitely some kids in like teenagers in the cast so I'm glad that my students got to see that um but there after the show we actually sat down and I talked to the six of them about it and I'm like okay so what did we learn and like one of my biggest concerns is because when I was in school we had like a whole tech team and they all were black and they came on and like the performers did not touch the set pieces at all and I know modern theater is changing and they this the transitions happen like while people were on stage and it was okay um and you know like there was a, a thing and this was like nobody's fault where they have like a set piece that, that's supposed to be closed and it opened but just like it was natural like someone while they were in the middle of the scene went and closed it and I'm glad like my kids got a chance to see that because you know even when things go not the way that you expect them to do like you can like compensate for it and make it look like it blended in with the rest of the show so um I enjoyed seeing this I mean it's Beauty and the Beast you can't go wrong with the story I mean I love home um I liked if I can't love her um Disney likes to make very high songs for boys too like the, the the range for the girls is usually not that bad but like High School Musical like Troy's songs are really high and the Beast songs are really high and there was like a reprise of if I can't love her if you know the Broadway version of 
Beauty and the Beast, like he comes in in this really high note and um, my Troy says he can't hit the notes that he needs to hit, but he can. A lot of it's just about like controlling himself. And like, I was sitting next to him and I was like, did you hear him come in on that high note? Like, and like, like start with that, like you can do that. So it was definitely a good experience for me and my students because I get, like sometimes I wonder, am I doing this right? And you know, am I gonna make it through? And seeing them do it, like I have confidence now that we can actually pull this off. Um, yeah. So okay, <laughs> um, my turn. Uh, <clears throat> so one of my favorite. Uh, so yes, I did see this twice. Um, uh, so, uh, but I think a lot of what we're going to be talking about is this recent one where uh, I joined you and your students. And one of my favorite things was at the beginning they this production they had a curtain across the front of the stage yeah, that was um, cool. because uh if you know beauty and the beast it starts with the story of the old beggar woman and it's usually told through stained glass well uh moonlight has a uh, artist. an artist uh, his name is george perez he does all the cover art for their programs he's a comic book artist and um he's always helped them out well he did uh some stained glass photos to tell this the story of it and uh, they were like, is that going to move? Yeah. <laughs> Are they going to, like, take the screen down? And I was like, no, no, it's just a movie. It's, a, it's actually a movie. Um, so uh, I think that's where you can tell people that really haven't been to theater. Is, yeah. Like, there's magic. And, uh, no. and, and things happen. And they know that. But, but, I mean, you know, I've been to Moonlight before, and I know what the theater looks like. But And, I, I mean, like, I had an idea because... You know, so the it, it's interesting but, the way they had it because it's basically you know like basically like you know material on poles but because moonlight doesn't have like a curtain and um they don't necessarily have um the what is it presidium Prece they don't have a presidium they don't have a presidium so it, it it's a little harder for them to you know normally you could put now down another screen yeah. or you could put a curtain up but. So I think they, they did really well in improvising, putting yeah, it Yeah, it was very creative and very well done, the way that they did it. So uh, You got to work with what you got, though. Um, you know? So let's dig a little bit into the actual production, something that we uh, haven't done too much of on this podcast. We usually go over the briefest of it and a little bit of fan fact and all, but we don't really go into each uh, production too much. Um, so before we get started... Uh, it's really hard to critique or to pro and con a show like this because it is community theater. These are all actors and craftsmen and techs that are not getting paid for it. Uh, they all have regular day jobs and they're doing this just because they love it. Um, so anything we have criticism and all, it's taken with a lightest grain of sand because they are doing this just out of love. Um, so what did you think of the overall, like, staging of it? What did you I mean, I thought it was really well done. Like, I, I understand, like, how hard it is to pull things off. Because I've and... never seen the Broadway show. Yeah, I mean, obviously, compared to Broadway, like, it's... So I'm not sure what they do on, like, staging for Broadway. Big. And I was 15, 16, 17 the, when I saw it. So... You know, I think they made a lot out of little oh, that yeah. they had. They had the, the walls that opened on the sides. Oh, yeah. One side, and it was like this cool little accordion thing. One side was castle, one side was town. 
down. And they had like like And the way they opened and closed it made that happen. Like alcoves, like cutouts into the stage for Bell's room and like the the cellar, not the cellar, the the dungeon. The dungeon. Um, and then that platform that came out for him to do his transition. I mean, like, I'm very impressed at like what they made with the little space that they have. Cause I know that that's a small stage. Yeah. So to visualize kind of what she's talking about is they, it, the stage is actually a two level. Yeah. And they had a second level built up where they could walk and that's where they had the beasts and they had the rows and all. Well, yeah. underneath that platform, they had a section where the bed so, like, was. They would open up doors. The bed for Belle's room would come out. And then part of that wall that opened was her door. And then they had the other section in the middle would open up for the yeah. library. And I think they did a lot with oh, that yeah. set. And it was to me, the setting was really, oh, yeah. really cool. I mean, I, I think they made a lot of that because... Um, this theater is really small. Yeah. They do not have a lot of room. No. Um, but they have... This is the third production I've seen. And they always make the most use of what they have. Yeah. They make it work. And I love that they always use the aisles. And yeah. They have different exits on the sides. Yeah. And they always have the cast come and go. Like, um, I watched one of your kids when... Um, I think it was Bell and Beast. Uh, um, after like the forest, and uh, they go and around, like, they go? <laughs> and then they go around, and then they come right back out, and they're like, "How? How they? How they get on stage that quick?" Yeah. And I thought that was funny watching them with that. Um, <laughs> so, uh, but uh, no, I and I think lighting. I think they did good. I mean, uh, they did well with the lighting. Um, anything else about the stage, like the no, production, I mean, like I, that, or? I, Really enjoyed it. Oh, uh, their favorite part, though, there was a line, and I don't remember. It was, I think, Mrs. Potts and Cogsworth and Lumiere were on stage, and they, I don't even know who they said the line to, but they said a line, and it was, we're all in this together, and my kids, like, died <laughs> in, like, all the right ways. But, um, no, I, I mean, I enjoyed it. It was, it was good. Um, like I said, I enjoyed seeing it more, like watching my kids watch it. Cause I've seen Beauty and the Beast before. Like I've seen shows at Moonlight before. Um, I see plays regularly, but like seeing the reaction of like some of my students, especially with this, I mean, this is us in a couple of weeks. So, um, you know, that it was it was a very positive experience all around. And they also liked how the cast comes out. And different theater companies do different things. Um, and in I'm in like some drama teacher groups on, on Facebook and you know, we share ideas and there was actually someone that asked about the cast coming out in costume after the fact. And um, some people were for it. Some people were against it. Um, oh, the where you the receive like the receiving line. So what she's talking about is after production that Moonlight all they kind of hold the audience in the theater and all the cast goes outside to yeah, thank everybody. They they'll line up on two sides and let everyone walk yeah, through them and they'll shake line. hands and take they'll take they'll pictures. pictures and that, and I mean. Stuff. Because we've seen at, like, Dr. Phillips Center, we've seen when they do uh, Red Bucket Day. Yeah, for, that's a little uh, different, though. And they'll come out in their costumes and all. But uh, I think it's nice. Yeah, I do, too. I, I think it's nice. And I think because, like, I, I, I've i talked with you about it, is I've also recently attended a performance at the Garden Theater, which is in Winter Garden, Florida. And it's another smaller production theater. But what I like about moonlight 
is it feels community. Yeah. And with doing something like that, it feels like you're part of it. It feels like you're part of this little group that yeah. was together for the night. And because they are a nonprofit, so they're relying on people coming back yeah. and they want to build that bond with them. And I like after the fact, um, I they're doing um, I'll Shook Up this summer and um, I'm considering auditioning. Um, I was actually going to audition for this show, but I just didn't think I thought I would have a nervous breakdown doing my show and my school show and it. So I just I just didn't audition. But um, I am thinking about auditioning for the for Asha Cup this summer. And the director was there and they introduced him earlier in the show. So I knew who he was and I talked to him and I told him, you know, what you know kind of re- one of the reasons why I was there and I introduced my cast to him and whatever and he they're doing a um the summer they're doing a um they're they have like a camp and they're doing hairspray so um I told you know trying to get some of my kids to come that but is I mean I don't know if any of them will actually do it because it was a bit of a drive for a lot of them but um you know I but you know that community involvement like that you know that's how you grow performers so mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it was a really positive experience all around. And so, so yeah, so a lot of it fell on one of the, the gentleman you mentioned, uh, he was one of the co-directors. There were two directors on this production. Uh, you had Denise True Scott and Dan Martin. Okay. That's not the guy that I talked to. The guy that I talked to was the guy that, um, that's doing All Shook Up and it's not either of those two. And if I heard his name, I'd know it. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> I haven't learned everyone's name yet, but I'm, I'm working on it. So um, so we talked about the set. We talked about the stage. So let's go into a little bit about the cast. Um, like I said, you know, uh, you're hearing this. The show has closed, but they do use a lot of the same cast. Yeah. A lot of the same performers come back time and time again. To, um, uh, so let's talk about the first uh, Belle Babette, which is, I'm going to know, I'm, I hate names, I'm going to mess it up. Is it Moran? I Maran? think so. Moran? I think it's Moran. Moran uh, K. Curtis. Uh, she was the first cast of Belle and Babette, or second cast. I, I, yeah. It doesn't really matter. But um, she's the first one listed in the program, so that I'm going through. Um, what did you think of her portrayal as Belle? I, I thought she was good. Uh, I mean, that's, I mean, that's a big role. So, I mean, it, it's, I mean, it's a hard role. Like, some of her songs are really hard and whatever. I mean, whenever you've got a title role. She did do very good facial expressions, especially when interacting yeah. with Gaston. Yeah. With Gaston, she had really good, like, this, like... Disgust. Like, utter and total disgust. As she should. <laughs> you know. But, no, I, I liked her. I mean, I, I thought the cast as a whole did really well. And then, um... Olivia Farinelli was Madame de la Grand Boucher. Yeah, she was really good. And especially having to move around oh in my a God, dress. Oh, my God. I could not. Um, that the show is closed, I'm sure I can, you know, say it and they won't like, like, why did he mention it? Like, I went on, was it oh, the second night? It was night. the second, was the night, second night. But there was a problem with the dresser. And oh. it like, when they came out for, I think. I, one of the numbers like it stopped rolling and she oh, like almost oops. like fell over oh in this God. thing and i'm really glad they figured out and fixed that but <laughs> but she did very well with recovering yeah. it and, that means and moving with it, it That's um, what you do. so uh the uh other bell babette was laura patisi patisi 
I messed that up. Sorry, <laughs> Laura. Uh, Laura has been a follower of us on, on since the musical yeah. Moscato days. Um, so I do apologize for messing up your name. Um, so I was lucky enough to see both of them. And they actually both did very well with Bet Bet. Yeah. Um, I think they both really portrayed that. And uh, so I, I actually like Laura's portrayal of Belle better. Um, I think she had a little more youthfulness to her and all about it. Um, I liked her dress better. I mean, but I'm sure they both, I'm sure they both had like. Yeah, they both yeah. had, they, they, they were both, and that was what was so cool about seeing the double cast yeah. is being able to see both of them. Yeah. Um, because I saw uh, in theaters, I saw Fathom Event and it was Frankenstein from the UK and it had Benedict Cumberbatch and I forgot the other actor's name but this is a that was a production where they uh, each no, night uh, switched one night he would one night Benedict Cumberbatch was Frankenstein the next night he was the monster and they would switch back and forth and it was and I saw where Benedict Cumberbatch was the doctor and I really would have liked to seen the other way mm. and and compared it but uh but what amazed me is they were both really good at yeah. both of them and they they both did that well, and then um, so Kirk Clemash Gaston. What did you think of Gaston? He he was good. Did you swoon over him like a silly girl? I mean, <laughs> I don't know that I go that far, but <laughs> this is this is probably the only one that like I think he had the look, he had the singing voice for mm-hmm. it. Just something just didn't feel like. No, but some of my girls were swooning over some of the boys in the ensemble. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know about swooning over Gaston, but they were definitely swooning over a, a boy or two in the ensemble. And, and I think we both, uh, Andrew Scuderi was LeFou. And I think we, oh, yeah, I think we all enjoyed LeFou. And you even he said he... He looked like Adam Devine. A little bit, yeah. A little yeah, bit. From, yeah. Uh, Pitch Perfect, and he's a modern family. He's been a bunch of... He had really good shit. comedic timing. Yeah. He did very well with timing, and he was a really good supporting. Alexander Principe was the beast. Yeah, he was good. Um, especially prosthetics. Yeah, and, I know. But I think they did very well with the beast costume. Oh, yeah, yeah. That was one of my biggest things going into this was being community and knowing, you know, they don't have this huge budget. Yeah. Like, they don't have a huge costuming budget. Is what is Beast going to look like? Yeah. Is he going to look silly? Or I think they did very well with making the Beast look good with his teeth. Yeah, and, oh yeah. And yeah, the makeup yeah. and, but and to be able to... And that's a hard and fast transition too when going from, you know, when he goes from Beast to... And exactly. Character. Well, like, you know, on Broadway, they can use trap doors. They can use effects. They I mean, can there's use, a million different things that they can do. And here See, they Harry don't Potter have, you know, here they don't have, you know, elaborate special effects. Yeah. So, but I think they pulled the transition very well. And, and I, I think he did very well with that. Um, <clears throat> Daniel Swanepoel as Chip is actually yeah. a student at yeah, our, our son's school. school. So that was kind of neat to see yeah. him in that and, and come out and be pushed around by Mrs. Potts. Uh, where is Mrs. Potts? I don't know, but she was. I mean, I you know, I I enjoyed the the cat. I mean, I um, I, I do want to give out to uh my, you know, I I did love 
Bailey Sullivan, who was Cogsworth. Yes. And Sandro Ruiz, who was Lumiere. Yes. They, to me, stole the show. Like, they were such great characters. Yes, they were. They were. We we enjoyed them a lot. (laughs) My my kids wanted to get pictures with them. I don't know if they did, because, I don't know, I was busy. But, um... They, they wanted to get pictures with them after the show. They were so well done. And their costumes were so good. And Lumiere, the his candelabra hands. Oh, and, yeah. You know, I've seen, I saw both. And there's so, I think there were so many ways that we could have had costume oh, yeah. problems with those. And they never had a problem with those. And uh, I think they both nailed those. I loved both of them. Um, yeah, so... Uh, the other oh something else about the staging is they even took into account the rose yeah up top when they would change scenes the rose would slowly get more or less yeah. and less petals and they made the last petal fall oh, yeah that was cool which was really cool yeah. and it's one of those like I'm still like how did they do that yeah I know <laughs> I know I can't wait to like do a show where we. Like work in magic like that, and unfortunately, well, but fortunately, because you know we're very, very limited as to what we can do this year. But um, but we don't have a lot of magic. But, in our but what I like about Moonlight in the community theater is it, it. It's fun seeing performers you've already seen before, and we saw several people from New Zealand. Yeah, Z's. yeah. Uh, one of the the silly girls uh, was from New Zealand, Brooklyn Switchy Switchy. Um, who's actually going off to the University of Alabama to? Yeah, um, that was my my second school that I. Applied so, uh, but but it was great seeing them again, yeah. and and what I I enjoyed was, and you mentioned it, you using what you have is when I first saw it. Um, Maurice comes out with his machine, mm. and the machine was the printing press for Newsies. <laughs> yeah, there are some faces that I recognize from seeing Newsies too. In fact, um, oh, yeah, the guy that was Pulitzer is, is is one of the townsfolk in this. And... One of my my Troy um, was was asking me last night. It was like, is it the same people that are in each show? And he is incredibly talented, but very very green in the theater world. And I don't know how I managed to snag him to play this role, but. Um, that's another story, but, um, he doesn't, I mean, you know, he enjoys it, but he doesn't really know a lot about it, which is good because, you know, that's, you know, what I do is I educate them about theater, but, um, I told him a little bit about community theater. So I don't know if he's interested in doing something. Cause I don't know if he was asking that question was like, well, if they're all the same in the same cast. Is there a spot for me? But I'm like, dude, you're a boy that can sing. Well, <laughs> there's it, always it's spots a for yes me. and a no. I think they use a lot of like the ensembles come back, but they do do auditions. Yeah, they do have auditions, and we we've seen new people come and go. Like um, one of the townsfolk in the bar scene, he's like behind the bar. He's mm-hmm. an older gentleman, balding, uh, skinny, and uh, he was in Agatha Christie's, and then there oh, were none. Okay. He was in that production. So there are some familiar faces, but they they do do auditions. And I, mean, I, I knew that because I did community theater when I was growing up. Um, I, we, I did a children's repertoire theater, um, kind of like Twilight, which is Moonlight's children's version, and Capone's, which you know our son does here. But um, they, uh, they, you know, they would have like the regulars that would come in. But you know, if there was a spot for newcomers um, and they had the talent, then. They would be cast, so... Well, and I was looking for the name, but um, 
one of the nuns that was one of the nuns in um Newsies. Newsies uh is uh directing Yes. That's yeah, I talked that's I talked to him that's Directing first like. date. Yeah, that's who I talked to. Oh. Okay. The guy you like. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. he's he's doing Asha Cup too. Oh he is? Uh yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Okay. <laughs> um but no, yeah, uh, thoroughly, uh, I, I enjoy. I keep getting impressed with Moonlight more and more, and um, yeah. so uh, definitely, if you listen in the Central Florida area, check them out. Um, their next production is First Date, which is going to be running April twenty sixth through May twelfth on Fridays and Saturdays at eight p.m. and Sundays at two thirty p.m. Uh, you can check them out at moonlightplayers dot com to get yeah, tickets. Yeah. Uh, you have anything else about? Disney's Beauty and the Beast? No. Oh, oh, there is one thing. Um, I'm going to... Because I haven't seen the Broadway, and this was my first experience with a lot of the music. Oh. Um, <laughs> oh, right. Maison de Lunes doesn't need to exist. Yeah. That song doesn't need to I would, exist. I would have okay, we, that. We get Mr. Dark runs the asylum. We get Mr. Dark, you know, yeah. it's, it's going to take... Why do we add that song? We could have cut, cut ten that, minutes, and I would have cut Bell's second song too. I don't but, remember what it's called, but I would have cut that. The one. Maison des Lunes. It just like. But that's just me. So. I feel like Disney always has this like one song that's like, just put it in there. Yeah, get your head in the game. And and, <laughs> and I do like to note that mm. you can tell that people that wrote music for this also wrote other things. Be- oh, yeah. Because Belle's home sounds so much like Santa Fe from Newsies. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so, yeah. Uh, so, uh, next up, let's uh, talk about some Mary Poppins Returns. Okay. Mary Poppins Returns. So, let's return to Cherry Tree Lane uh, with Mary Poppins now. Uh, so, directed by Rob Marshall. Uh, again with Disney, Rob Marshall has come back after... He needs to quit. <laughs> well, we, we, we know where she's going with this one, folks, don't we? Um, so yes, um, uh, Rob Marshall, famous for doing the 2002 movie version of Chicago. Which was amazing. Which did amazing. But not all of his um, others were winners like Chicago. Uh, but but what what's what's amazing is for some reason I always think he's done more than eleven directing credits. Oh. Um, <laughs> but same. Um, but okay. Two thousand nine's nine. Yeah. Why? Right, moving on. Sleeper. Next. And then Pirates of the Caribbean on Stranger Tides totally killed it for me. Into the woods. The dude needs to separate from Just Disney. Just because you can doesn't mean you should. All right. So, anyways. So, uh, if you're not familiar with Mary Poppins Returns, uh, so what it is is we are, we have moved past the events of the first one and we now see uh, Jane and Michael. Uh, Jane played by Emily Mortimer and Michael played by Ben Wishaw. They have grown up. They have aged. Uh Michael has uh, three kids. Yeah. Uh, and his wife has passed away. Yeah. And Jane uh, is a advocate for like writer yeah. for like workers for like the lamp lighters and all. And she does. She will remember 
the mother in the first one was for the women's yeah, lib. Yeah, like so she's carried on uh, from the mother. Um, <clears throat> so, and we also have Jack, played by Lynn manuel Miranda, is a lamplighter. Uh, so through a curse of events, uh, you know, they're... Their house, Michael's house is about to be taken by the, the bank. bank, the same bank that his wa- father worked for and the bank that he works for. They are, and uh, uh, Colin Firth is the bank manager. He is going to repo the house, he's going to take the house, and he is doing everything he can to make that happen. And so, while they're cleaning things out, they throw out stuff, they kite from the first movie, they throw it away, and uh, one of the kids finds it, takes it out. It goes up into the sky. He grabs it. Lynn Manuel grabs him, and out they pull Mary Poppins out of the sky. Welcome back, Poppins. All right, so she comes back and basically takes the kids and takes them on the little fantasy adventures around, and it's kind of explaining what's happening with their father and stuff and. And she's there to help the bank's children, both the first bank's children and the new bank's children. Get it? Ha! The bank's children. All right. (laughs) So, uh, since you, when we first started, you obviously, when I said Rob Marshall, you're like, he needs a quick. All right. So, give your. Brutally honest about Mary Poppins. Why does this movie exist? That's my opinion. Like, do we really not have an original idea in our heads where we could have done something? Like, I just, I don't know. I just have, like, Gail Travers maybe had something going when she was like, yeah, don't do any sequels. Because, yeah, I just, I mean, some of the music was kind of catchy but like also forgettable um i mean like okay so um meryl streep is in it like all right her character serves all right right. before we get into that okay Okay, so this this movie has force awakens problems it it where force awakens was basically the empire's um uh star wars which one was it? I don't know my stars. But remember, there's always all the fans are saying that Force Awakens just uh-huh. ripped off the other movie. Okay, yeah. Sure. This one just retreads the first movie. It's we took the formula of the first movie and we put on this one. For the uh, Let's Go Fly a Kite, there's a song mm. for that. For Step in Time, there's a, a song, song for that. that. Holly, and then Holly, what Holiday. you're talking about is in the first movie, I always forget the name of the song that they do, when, but there's a scene where they're in the attic and they're floating in the attic. Yeah. Mer- Meryl Streep is that scene, but instead of floating, she's in an upside-down house turning turtle. And when I saw this movie, that scene has no purpose in this no, movie other all. than because they did that in the first one. They no, had to do it in this one. So I, I don't know. I don't know. Like, and it wasn't a great performance of Meryl no, Streep. It and it's really like, wasn't. and it, but to it's me, better than Ricky and the Flash. To me, but. it's it's Rob Marshall is. Hey, we did Into the Woods together. Hey, come over come and do this. this. You're with already me. into these payrolls, so come on. What's not? What's another bad musical like? I don't 
I, I just, I did not like this. I think it served no purpose. I, the songs were average at best. Um, I felt like it was just an excuse to put Lin-Manuel in something mainstream. I mean, Emily Blunt is good. Is she Julie Andrews? No, no offense, Emily Blunt. You're fabulous, but in your own way. Um, yes, because Lin-Manuel is Disney's new boy, music from Moana. Yeah. I, he, he's doing a lot of stuff with Disney. But I think it's just his excuse. Like, like Disney wants, is like, okay, we saw your success <laughs> in Hamilton. We went on this bandwagon to get more people to follow us than already do. And people like Disney and people like you. So, boom, it's a match made in heaven. I just, I have major attitude about this movie in case you cannot tell. So, I, <laughs> positives. I, I do think think they at least put a little bit of thought into how they move the story forward with the Banks children and stuff. I feel like that they try to make that connection with the first movie and make a sequel. I feel like that they actually tried to do that. Um, but a lot of the things is there's the bathtub where they go under the ocean. Um, there's the bowl scene. And to me, I hate to say this, but... The original Mary Poppins came out in what year? 1950-something? 1964. Okay, just kidding. I feel like in 1964, they had not the same technology we had. They but didn't did have it better. Original, and I felt like Jolly Holiday was better done. Yeah. And I feel like bed knobs and broomsticks, they do an underwater thing. I felt like that was better. Like... I feel like Rob Marshall is like, ooh, CG, let me yeah. see what I can do with this. And, like, I feel like it's the whole thing, less is more. Oh, yeah. Like. The it's th like theater. Like, same thing. Like, you don't have to have big, flashy choreography to have a good number. Like, as long as it's clean and tight. And, I don't know, I felt kind of like some of his was a hot mess. And, it, yeah, it. It, it, it was like some of them, it just, it didn't no. work for me on it. And, but you know. Some like, people think it's gold because it's new and Lin-Manuel Miranda. And my my favorite part uh, of Mary Poppins Return was the last like 10 minutes. And sadly, it's because Dick Van Dyke comes back as the, as Mr. Dawes Jr. Oh, he didn't even play his original character. Like, but... To be fair is they do write out Bert in the beginning is um, we, we learn that uh, Lin-Manuel's Jack is the son of a chimney sweep and Mary Poppins asks how's Bert and Lin-Manuel's like he's off traveling the world or something. So they, they have a reason to get yeah, rid of. Yeah, could have incorporated him though. That's the thing. But I... Like it's not like in, in Cars 2 where they had to, yeah. you know, immortalize... So, um, I, I think the problem is that if you did bring Dick Van Dyke back as Bert, you're going to expect song and dance Bert. Oh. And he, bringing him back as Mr. Dawes, and like they said, the, the positive thing is he has the beard in it. He has aged. He doesn't look like Bert did. And Whatever. Well, to me, you see him sing and dance, and... He's getting up there I mean, in age. I know. And to, you know, I think if you did have him, people would expect that. Yeah. And I was doing trivia on IMDb and all because I'm a nerd. And 
I guess, you know, Julie Andrews uh, was going to do a sequel way back when with Walt Disney. And evidently she was pregnant or something and they delayed the... And then mm. I guess, you know, then they came out, let, let's not even do a sequel. Um, but evidently they offered her the balloon lady, which is played wonderfully by Angela Lansbury. Great to see her singing uh-huh. again. Um, but Julie Andrews reportedly turned it down. You know, there's conspiracy theories. It's because, you know, P.L. Travers didn't want yeah. a sequel. And I don't think she can. I don't think Julie Andrews can sing anymore, though. Um, but Julie Andrews said she felt that it would be distracting. If she came back in it. And Julie Andrews does very much resemble Julie Andrews back then. She has aged pretty well. well. So, you know, if you saw her, you'd be like, why is Mary Poppins sitting on a bench? And I was like, that would have been cool to see her. And then when I read that, I'm like, you know, it could be like, well, it's like in the new Ghostbusters movie. Mm -hmm. Hate the movie. But when you have Bill Murray and you have these guys coming back, playing cameos is not... The Ghostbusters, you're like, wait, he's Bankman. Why is he a taxi driver? <laughs> and you're like... Again, so, which goes back to my original comment, which is, why does this movie exist? Yeah, so... so case, point, my, boom. I win. My, my problem, the, the biggest problem I have is, like you said, Rob Marshall. Rob Marshall needs to separate from Disney. Because musicals, well, I mean, well, uh, Chicago, uh, what, what, what studio did Chicago? Um, Miramax, um, but it wasn't under the main Disney label, you know. Um, but he, he did Chicago, and then after that, he does Memoirs of a Geisha, mm-hmm. which. Random. I didn't love, but didn't it, it, it was very artsy, and it was it, it was it was good. But the problem is, then you, you had nine, and it's like he stumbled with nine. I I don't think anyone really enjoyed that. Uh, I think it was, it was a really nine, odd like, choice yeah. for a musical. All the musicals out there. I mean, really. And it was very odd choice. But then you know, he, then he leaves, and he comes back with Pirates on Stranger Tides, and he does Into the Woods. And now it's announced that he that he might be doing Disney's Little Mermaid remake, live action remake. And my thing is he needs to separate from Disney because I think Chicago was good, but Chicago was actually great. I don't know what happened. <laughs> but I, I I don't know if it's the Disney machine behind him yeah. or or what? I don't know if it's Disney pulling strings or he's thinking. He, and I think the other thing is, I you know, I, I you'd have to go through the numbers and all. But I feel like Chicago, he probably didn't have the most grandiose budget. Because before that, he directed the TV special, the Kennedy Center Honors. And he did like one episode of The World Before World, the Disney directing. Uh, so, you know, you know, I don't see a studio like, hey, here's a bunch of money go make chicago but now i think the problem is is disney's like here's the money bag oh, and i i think like like i said with mary poppins returns the the cg and all i think it just it, it's taken over from yeah you know and the same thing with stranger tides there's visual things they do in there and you're like get away from the cg mm-hmm. but no I, I i think we need to move past we rob marshall mm-hmm. 
or it, he needs to stop doing this kind of movie. And he, you know. Yeah. But, um, anyways, so, uh, Mary Poppins Returns, uh, your kids will love it, though. Kids will. Yeah. Well, because like, you have to look at it from the demographic. We are not the demographic, no, obviously. We have the nostalgia factor. We're the ones like, oh, look at the sash on the kite. That was the sash from the first movie. And look at this, and look at this. We're the nostalgia uh, demographic. But the main demographic, it's bright. It's colorful. You even said in the the one scene where they're doing the stage dance, and they're purple and pink. You're like, oh, look at their costumes. It's bright. It's colorful. And the songs aren't songs that you're going to be singing. I think Trip the Light, fantastic. Trip the Light is probably the most... Rememberable of the song. They're all forgettable. Um, uh, and I didn't love Lin Manuel's accent. I mean, you know, whatever. <laughs> um, but yeah, so your kids will love it. Adults are probably gonna put it on and just. Eh. It's good for once to see it, but I, I don't think it's going to have the stay power. I don't think it's going to have no. the memorability that the original did. Not at all. And like I said, I think it's less is more, and I think a lot of the original was Walt Disney. Oh, yeah. And his magic and his touch to it. And doing things that nobody had seen before, because at that yeah. point, you never saw... you You didn't see... Characters and cart live action and cartoons interacting yeah. that way. We've seen the Alice comedies and all where it was used, but not to this extent. Yeah. And you know he did things where like the floating in the attic, which was practical. Nowadays they would have CG'd them mm. on a green screen. But so to to me, Mary Poppins Returns, unless you have kids, is probably going to be a pass for me. Yeah, same. Uh, so that is going to do it for tonight's episode of the Disney episode with Disney's Beauty and the Beast and Mary Poppins Returns. Let us know what you thought about our episode. If you have any questions, comments, feel free to leave them in the comments section. If you have, uh, we are now recording on anchor.fm. If you have that, you can leave us voicemails and we'll respond to questions if you leave them. Uh, you can also find us on Instagram and Twitter uh, at SASS underscore C-A-S-T, SASCast. Uh, you, would you like to plug your show once more? Um, yeah. Dates, April 4th how to through get tickets. 6th um, online at uh, fcusdrama.ludus, L-U-D-U-S dot com. Um, you can follow us on Instagram at fcus.drama um, and, uh, or you can email me at my school address, which is jgardief, G-A-R-D-I-E-F-F at fourcornerscharter.org. And how much are tickets? Um, $3 for students, children, etc. $5 for adults. And there is a small fee when Yeah, there is a small fee online. through booking through Ludus. All right, so until next time, keep it sassy.